0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here, and this morning I've got Elliot with me. Hello. And we're going to get the service started off for you.
1: This is uh, one of your first times or your first time checking in on the online service. Special welcome to you. We'd love to get to know you better, and you can help us do that by giving us a shout at hello at cedarvalley.ca or even just dropping a comment here.
0: Yeah. And one of the best ways for everyone just to stay informed about some of the stuff happening around updates, things coming up, uh, devotional posts, prayer requests, stuff like that is to make sure you're following us on Instagram, Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can head over to our website, sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And it's not just spam it's good, engaging stuff that helps us stay kind of connected, especially when we have like a lot of digitally kind of things happening these days. Right? So it's, it's not the best, but it's the best that we can do at least to try to make sure that we're all informed of what's happening.
1: Yeah. And if you've been impacted or by the, con- the connections, worship and prayer, messages, anything that's happened this, this morning, please hit share and spread the news. And, uh, and if you have any prayer requests, feel free to send them on in because we care about you. We want to we wanna help you out, encourage you. Totally,
0: yeah. A two-way interaction, right, yeah. happening yeah. here. And, and we would love to pray with you and help request, things like that. So easy way to do that. Yeah, and uh, something huge coming up. Next week is Easter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's going to look a little bit differently this year. At this point, we are planning, uh, you know, we want to still reflect on the sacrifice Jesus made. We're celebrating his triumph over death and death and sin in our lives. And we want to loudly proclaim this good news.
1: Yeah. So Good Friday, we are hosting a drive through experience and the Lord's Supper at church. What will that look like from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Come up to the church by yourself with a partner, with your family. You'll be safely inside your car while well, we passed through stations hosted by our leadership team.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a fun interactive sort of thing happening and communion will be part of that too and some worship. And for Easter Sunday, we've got a special interactive service that we're gonna be putting out online. And the big focus that we've had as a pastoral staff here, we want to culminate this weekend as something that we want to be able to send people out equipped, empowered, inspired to impact a friend, family, neighbor, coworker, something like that. So sending out.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. We want to spread this some love and care that you can simply a uh, simple as a blessing with some Easter egg or hunting supplies or, or some groceries or a prayer.
0: Yeah. Like it could be so many things, right? Yeah. And You know, brainstorm. If you've got like a neighbor or a friend or coworker, somebody close to you in your life that you just want to bless, we want you to bless them. And if the stuff is a barrier being creative, hmm. we've got a kit that we would love to supply you with that you can use to bless a neighbor. And uh, I think if you joined in for the pre-service this morning a little bit too, you got to hear that part of that includes some amazing, homemade, top quality, best chef in the world, hot cross buns from Elliot here. Pasca, Pasca. Uh, oh, Pasca. Oh yeah.
1: yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. It's the same thing, isn't it?
0: Pretty close, okay. I think. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and, uh, one more announcement is that you may have heard some changes to our current gathering restrictions in regard to church gatherings.
0: Yeah. So we are praying as a church for healing and wise leadership in this time and for the virus to die off frankly Mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing we want this pandemic to be over we want to be able to bring the connections back and we are aware of these changes that have happened and the biggest thing we want to do is serve you safely and in the best way possible uh, as a church and so at this point you know what we want to do is continue spreading the good news to mission Um, yeah
1: so so just uh, another reason to make sure you are staying connected with their emails and posts. And even if you, you haven't seen somebody for a while, I mean, you know, this has been a year that's, let's, let's uh, make a point of communicating with somebody that we haven't talked to in a while. Let's get mm. to keep up our, our togetherness.
0: That's a really good point. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be dialoguing through this to make it good and yeah, reach out to somebody too in this time. Like if you're feeling just torn up about this whole thing, reach out to somebody cause they're probably feeling that same way too. Yeah. yeah.
1: Thank you, Elliot. We're going to get the service started here shortly, being led in uh, with a time of worship singing.
0: After that, we have a special lesson just for the kids from Amanda and William's helping her out. Uh, and it's, we also try to get some interactive materials out to the parents to be able to lead their kids in at-home faith practices, activities, devotional, stuff like that, and if you are receiving those, awesome. If not, you can send Pastor Doug an email. That's douglas at cedarvalley.ca so you can engage with all the kids' ministries week to week.
1: And following that, we've got Pastor Doug bringing us through Chapter 11 of the Gospel of John. We've, uh, we're going through the Gospel of John one chapter a week, and we're hoping you're reading along with us and digging into the Word and receiving what, what God gave to, gave to them.
0: Absolutely. And just before we get into all of that, we've got a great service coming up. Uh, if you joined in earlier for our countdown service, it starts at 9.50. We have some fun, interactive stuff. We had Elliot and his family uh, come by. We iced some pasca mm-hmm. great easter treat and the fun thing is it's one of those things that like you may have had easter bread before maybe you didn't call it pasca i think you've mentioned lots of different cultures have different names yeah. for it. kind of the same thing it's easter bread you eat, like, eat it
1: like it's stolen yeah
0: <laughs> fast just yeah. sweet lots of eggs lots of sugar yeah. but it has like some symbolism within it too and there's other sort of treats like that too hot cross buns have all sorts of symbolism in it the cross actually forms something that started as a christian tradition mm-hmm. now here's a thought how many other things are in our lives that are just kind of commonplace, that have all sorts of different symbolism? Do you have any that are in your mind right away?
1: Oh, uh, as far food-wise? I, I mean, it always seems to come
0: to food, right? That's yeah, like the I mean, that. I'm
1: Mennonite. You know what else is there, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> no, no, it's... Uh, you know, to be honest, I'm drawing a bit of a blank. That,
0: uh, that's fine. You know, I, I was thinking that, too, and my mind goes to Christmas stuff because I'm like, oh, Candy yeah. Cane's symbolic, right? The shepherd's yeah. cane and the colors. You can have all sorts of write-ups about that. The Christmas tree has some cool history and stuff behind it.
1: Actually, there's certain Christmas albums now that you mention it. Like, you know, there's certain uh, uh, my first Christmas record. Oh, yeah. I had that. It was like, you know, like with all these old time singers and all these crazy kooky stories and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or even those like Canadian Brass Christmas. My dad will listen to that all the time. Oh, fun and just that brings back memories, right?
0: So it's got like even some personal significance for you too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you. So head over to the feed and help us brainstorm a little bit too. You know, we saw some of these Easter food treats that are kind of normal, have all sorts of like historical context and symbolism. Uh, What are some things that seem kind of commonplace that actually have some really neat history or traditions or symbolism behind them? Throw that in the comments. Otherwise, we're in for a great morning. This Cedar Valley, thanks for joining.
3: guys, you might be wondering what I'm doing here. I am preparing this body for the grave. I know it kind of looks like I'm making a Halloween decoration, but in Jesus's day when somebody died they would get a big piece of linen cloth and they would wrap up the body and a lot of times they would expensive spices and and scents and sometimes it was like sand and they'd put it on the layers and then keep wrapping because you know what happens after somebody dies Gets kind of stinky so that's how they tried to make it not be too stinky but then they also would bind the body's hands very tightly and my toilet paper isn't really that tight but they were using cloth they would wrap the hands, and then they would wrap the feet up. So this this body's not going anywhere. It is nice and tied up. One more strip. Oops. All right. And then on the head, they would get a separate cloth and they would cover up the head. And then they would tie the head up too. So you don't want that head to come off. That would be kind of gross. All right. All right. So my body here is prepared for the tomb. And so after they had the body all wrapped up, they would carry it into the grave, wherever that would be. A lot of times they would use a cave. Sometimes it would be like a limestone cave that they've dug out and they'd place the body in there and then roll a big stone or a big covering over the entrance so no animals or people could get in there and disturb. Um, So yeah, that's about it. Um, Okay, body, you can get up now. Oh, Oh, it's not so easy. Hey, guys, Amanda here. I'm so glad that you guys are here for church this morning. And I have a really, really cool story to tell you guys today. So as you know, we've been going through the book of John. And this week, the chapter that we're at is John Chapter 11. There's a few things in John Chapter 11 that are interesting. First of all, it has the shortest verse in the whole Bible. It's Jesus wept. So if I told you guys that you had a memory verse for this week, That would be like the easiest memory verse ever. Jesus wept. I bet you could remember that. But first of all, I'm just going to tell you the story. Um, And it tells us a lot about Jesus and a lot about uh, his power and what makes him God. All right, so let's start. John chapter 11 starts out with a story about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And you guys might remember hearing about Mary and Martha before. the the Bible has talked about that in previous chapters. <clears throat> all right. So first of all, Jesus was really good friends with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He really loved them. They were really special to him. And they lived in a town called Bethany. Well, one day Lazarus got really, really sick. And his sisters were so worried about him. But they knew that Jesus was God and that he could do miracles so they sent a message to Jesus. They said, Lord, your friend Lazarus is sick. Well, Jesus told his disciples, don't worry, Lazarus's sickness won't end in death. And this sickness will bring glory to God and glory to me because I am God's son. Lazarus was really sick, but Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. Finally, after two more days, Jesus and his disciples traveled to Bethany, where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she ran out to see him and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I know that you have the power to to save him and God will give you whatever you ask. And then Jesus said to, to Martha, he said, Your brother will rise again. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will never die. Martha went to tell Mary, Jesus is here, Jesus is here. And Mary ran out to Jesus and she fell at his feet crying. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Oh, she was so sad, she was crying. And you know what? Jesus cried too. Isn't that interesting that Jesus cried? Where have you put him? Jesus said. And they said, Lord, come and see. And they brought Lazarus, or they brought Jesus to Lazarus's grave. And it was a cave with a huge stone rolled in front. Jesus said, Roll the stone aside. Jesus then prayed. He said, Father, thank you for hearing me so that all these people will believe that you sent me. Jesus knew that all the people coming to help Mary and Martha mourn Lazarus's death were there and his disciples were there. And he wanted to use this opportunity for people to believe in him. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out wrapped up in his grave clothes. Then Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. Wow, isn't that a cool story, guys? I really like that story because it tells us a lot about Jesus. Um, Have you ever heard of anybody being able to raise somebody else up from the dead and bring them back to life after they died? I have never heard of anybody else besides Jesus doing that and maybe a couple other stories in the Bible. Um, But really, that power to rise somebody from the dead only comes from God. When When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he showed that he had power over death. In verse 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Let me read it here. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me even though he or she dies will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Now that's kind of um, interesting because we know that everybody is born and everybody dies on this earth. So we know that everybody's going to die. But what Jesus is talking about is eternal death. Jesus came to earth to make a way for us to live forever. And that's what he meant by, I am the resurrection and the life. So if you believe in Jesus, you'll never die. Your body might die, but your spirit will live forever with Jesus. And this is what Jesus wanted everybody to know. This was so important to him. Jesus had the power to come right away and help Lazarus get better so that he didn't have to die. But he wanted to use this opportunity to show the people that he came to to minister to that he was the only way that believing in him was the only way to have eternal life. Um, And that's why he died on the cross. Spoiler alert, next week we're going to hear about when Jesus died on the cross and raised from the dead. And I think it's really interesting. There's a few similarities here between the story of Lazarus rising from the dead and then when Jesus was raised from the dead. Um, So it was kind of like a preview in a little way of when Jesus rose from the dead. So I hope you guys enjoyed that story and I want you to know that we can trust Jesus because he has power over death and we can trust him with our lives, that we can live forever one day with him. Thanks guys.
4: Well, thanks Amanda and William. You know what, I think William may have an acting career in his future. But think about it. How many times have you had a once in a lifetime experience? A time when you have experienced the probably never to be repeated again moment. You know, there are a few things that you may see only once in your life. And a dead man walking is sure to be one of them. Now, that term, dead man walking, it's actually a little confusing. For today, what it relates to is a condemned, convicted man on his final walk from his prison cell to the place of execution. But the dead man walking in our story is exactly the opposite. He wasn't about to die. He was already dead. In the grave for four days, his body at this point starting to decay and smell. This was more like a mummy or a zombie appearing, still wrapped in strips of cloth, walking up out of the tomb. Now, this isn't from a Scooby Doo episode or the zombie apocalypse. This is the Bible, John chapter 11. Now, this chapter focuses on one of Jesus' greatest miracles, and you may also know this part of the Bible because it contains the shortest verse in the Bible in verse 35. Now, which could be helpful to any of you if you have difficulty memorizing, um, but these two words, they say so much about who Jesus is. Now, compared to Matthew and Mark and Luke, who, like John, all write about the life of Jesus, but John, he tells fewer but longer stories than the other gospel writers. John spends much more time showing the interactions of the people who are part of the story. And I want to say thanks, Amanda, for introducing to us and explaining the story to us. But let's take a bit of a closer look at who is in the story and what is going on. Well, we have the sisters. Mary and Martha, they've just lost a brother. And they're trying to come to terms with why Jesus didn't come and help sooner. And then you have Lazarus, the brother. He's also one of the main characters. And interesting, he doesn't say a single word in the whole story. Well, most likely because he's dead. Then we have the disciples. They pretty much go where Jesus goes, although at times with some hesitation. Then we have the friends of the family, a large gathering of people coming to their home to, to grieve the loss of their brother Lazarus and to comfort Martha and Mary. And then there's Jesus. Jesus, well, he's late to one of his best friend's funeral. But, as we find out, he has pretty good reason. So let's begin. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. Right off the bat, we discover that the day starts off dark. Now, how often, even though the sun rises as usual to brighten the day, has your day started dark? There's a heaviness, maybe a sadness, or even a fearfulness of what lies ahead. And that's just your day and and how it starts. Lazarus, he had one of these days. And we're told that Lazarus was from Bethany. Now, Bethany is a village. It's about a 35-minute walk from the city of Jerusalem in the region of Judea. And in verse 3, we read, Because he was sick, the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Interesting. When they had a problem, they knew exactly who to go to, where to go. And it's got me thinking, where's one of the first places that I turn when when I'm in trouble? Where do you go? There's many places that we could go, but where is the place that we should go? Mary and Martha, they had this one figured out. And we continue in verse 4. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son might be glorified through it. See, Jesus sees and he knows exactly what we don't. And he says, this, what is going to happen next, what is taking place right now in your home and in your life, it will be for God's glory. And he says, it will not end in death. And yet, for Lazarus and Martha and Mary in that moment, it did end in death. From their perspective, from their reality, you know, we may need to go through a difficult time. But as we see through this story as we journey with Jesus, that God's glory is found even in our pain. We continue in verse 5 and verse 6. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. See, they went to the one person they knew they would get help from, but what they got isn't what they expected. What does Jesus know that they didn't? What does Jesus know even about, even about our life that we don't know? See, at first glance, this seems really odd. His close friends have a real, urgent need. And because Jesus loves them, he doesn't hurry. You know, in that moment, we don't always understand God's timing. When we have a problem, an issue, we want it fixed, and we want it fixed now. But sometimes. God says, just wait. You see, what I've discovered about God is that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials in our life. For there was a purpose in his delay. And we continue in verse 7. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you were going back. See, Jesus didn't delay for fear of the Jews. There was something more important in his life than what he could have been fearing. And we discovered just last week and the week before that there was a crowd in Judea, Jerusalem, very close to Bethany who actually wanted Jesus dead. But he didn't hesitate because of his fear. And I've been thinking about that. Are there places that we are fearful of talking about God, about your life and God's part in it, about telling the story of Jesus. Are there places that we are fearful of taking Jesus to? See, when we worry about what might happen it really controls our lives. It alters our decisions, it keeps us from doing what we are inwardly longing to do. Do not let the fear of your opponents determine your course of action. But also, when we're talking about fear, we have to understand that, well, not all fear is bad. Healthy fear is partly what has kept you alive and safe up until now. But on the other side, irrational fear is killing you. I like these words of Zach Williams and he says, Fear is a liar. Fear will stop you in your steps. Fear will rob you of your rest. Fear will steal your happiness. See, one of the things that we need to do is is shift our mindset from worry and doubt of what could happen, what might happen, to possibility. To believe in what we can't see, for all along, Up until now, in the book of John, Jesus calls us to to see because we believe, not believe because we see. So often what's going on here is that people believe after they see Jesus do an incredible miracle. But are we saying, he says, no, no. He I want you to see the world through my eyes, the possibility of my life in your life because you believe in me. You will see a different world that is around us. And then in verse 14, he's been warned by his friends, not to go back because of the threat. But he says, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Isn't that interesting? Jesus admits already that, yep, Lazarus is already dead. But let's go. See, with Jesus, death doesn't lead to death. It leads to life. Right here and right now and in eternity. See, there is a power at work in those who believe. That will conquer death. And in the midst of their worry for Jesus, and I suppose for themselves as well, being so closely associated with Jesus, they're hesitant to head back to Judea, to the area where Bethlehem is. But then Thomas says to the rest of the disciples, let us all go, that we may die with him. You know, amidst this feeling of his close friends, don't go back, it's not gonna end well. Thomas is all in. He says, let's go. If we die, we die. I love this Thomas. Courageous Thomas. Bold Thomas. I'm all in Thomas. You know, his more familiar name, to us at least, is Doubting Thomas. But here, he's all in. You know, sometimes we want to be just a little bit in. It's kind of like when we're at the beach, and it's a hot day, and the water is so inviting. And yet, we stand there in the shallow, ankle deep. And you want to go in, all in. And yet, maybe you're held back, thinking, oh, it's, it's, a li- it's a little bit colder than I thought. Um, I don't really want to get my hair wet. Maybe I have my contacts in. Nope, nobody splash me. It sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? I mean Why are we at the beach at the edge of the water in the first place on a hot summer day? But we can kind of be like that with Jesus. Well, I would like to go all in, but... And there's different reasons we can give for not giving all of our life to Jesus. And so they head off to Bethany. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now again, why? Why the four-day delay? But we need to understand that, that Jesus' delay was not at odds with his love, but really, it was motivated by love. How could this be? When Jesus arrived, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. See, and even if he had left immediately when he got the news, By the time he returned, he was able to make it to Bethany, Lazarus would already have been dead for two days. So nothing would have been gained by an immediate departure. However, there was something incredible to be gained by waiting two days before setting out. It's almost as if Jesus was was setting the scene Seems kind of weird, but, but making sure that Lazarus was, was really dead. See, during this time, there was a belief that the spirit of someone who died was thought to hover around the body for three days in the hope of a recitation. So the raising of Lazarus after four days then would clearly be seen as a manifestation of the glory of God, which would strengthen the faith of Mary and Martha. What if it was more important for Jesus to conquer death than to cure the disease? what if Jesus showed his great love for his close friend not by healing him but by calling him out of the grave what if instead of a remedy for his illness he offered the glory of rising from the dead and as we begin to see this is just a sample of what is to come with Jesus. A preview of Jesus' own resurrection, not too far in the future. So what if we learn to see the big picture of God's will and timing and his purpose for our lives? Sometimes God allows the suffering within us for his greater glory. We are part of something that is so much bigger than ourselves. That God will use to bring glory to himself. And then the distraught sisters. Each of them at different times meeting Jesus once he returns. And in verse 22 and 32, we we read their opening statements. And Martha says, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. But if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Mary says, when she reached the place where Jesus was, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Why? (laughs) Why when you could have prevented this? did you delay? See, Knowing Jesus doesn't keep us from pain or loss or sorrow. But there is something greater at work in our lives. Though in the moment, in our pain, it is so hard to see. But Jesus is just on the verge of of revealing of what they have not been able to see at this point. And Jesus' response in verses 23 and forward is, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. This is it. This is what Jesus had allowed to happen previously so he could demonstrate who he is. Not just what he can do, but really who he is. He is the resurrection. He is the life, our life. See, with death, it does not have the final word against Jesus. With Jesus, death does not have the final word. Have, have you ever argued with someone? And as the argument continues, it seems that the only point of being in this, the only port that, point that matters in this argument is that who gets the last word? Well, death is not the final word on life. Not when Jesus is concerned. See, we have come to know death as the natural end of our life. And we've come to terms with natural death after a good long life. But that's not always the way it was. We were not created to die. But now in the midst of the ending of our life, Jesus says that death has been swallowed in victory. I am that victory. I have the victory over death. If you believe in me, you will live. And yet, even in the midst of knowing this, there's that heart-wrenching sorrow. And in verse 33, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved and spirit and troubled. Upon seeing the sorrow, upon knowing her heart and her mind and her emotions, in verse 35, Those two simple words, Jesus wept. Jesus understands the human condition of sorrow and of loss. And this is just one of the very few times it's recorded that that Jesus weeps. But understand, a God who will weep over you is a God who is deeply invested and concerned about you. He is not impersonal at a distance, but demonstrates his closeness to you. God is in our grief and in our suffering. Though it is brought on by a part of a, a fallen world that turned its back on God, In our moments of greatest sorrow, God is there with us. See, even though Jesus knew how this was going to end and and the others didn't, he still felt empathy for those who did not know. Jesus feels our pain. And so they go to the tomb. And Jesus says in verse 39, take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, dead man by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there for four years days. Isn't it interesting? Often our objections to Jesus are very, very practical. But Jesus, did you know that if you do that, it's going to stink? See, our objections mostly are very practical to God. It may show itself in, well, God, do you know how much that will cost? Yeah, he does. But in God, he can overcome those objections. Now, I remember years ago when, when John and Sue Chakas were just starting the, the ministry of Seeds of Hope, a children's home in Zambia. And John was um, working hard here locally and getting as much time off as he could to, to go and be in part of this ministry, traveling back and forth to different continents. And a concern was finances for this ministry. And he needed to work so he could continue. And yet, the call of God for John and Sue to follow him in this ministry, John realized that he had to give up his job. (laughs) That paid him good money. So his objective wasn't irrational. His objection to God wasn't irrational, and yet his commitment to God allowed him to get past that objection and say, God, if you're calling me to this, I'm going to quit my job and go into this ministry. And today, the the, the ministry to the children through Seeds of Hope is an incredible work on behalf of their efforts through following God. And then in verse 42, we find a very interesting thing that Jesus says. So they took away the stone, Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. For the benefit of those who are near. You know, there are times when we need to speak out in our faith for the benefit of those who are around us to hear us so they can see also the work of God. And then in verse 44, after Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. Just Understand that even just getting that body out of the tomb, and I want to show you something here. I have some pictures of what we're told is Lazarus's tomb. It wasn't just a hole in a rock side of a rock face with a stone in front of it. It's very likely that it descended down, Um, tight, close steps looping down one side and, and turning around as it descends into the rock, and then stopping in a little opening, and then there's a a hole that further you need to climb down to to get into the actual burial chamber. Now, we're told that this this was the tomb of Lazarus. So can you imagine, when Jesus calls him out, he's wrapped head to toe in this burial cloth So just even just getting him up out of there to where they can see them is just the beginning of this incredible miracle. It it doesn't say he was carried out. Jesus called him and he appeared out. And this part of the story ends with Lazarus coming out and Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Oh, I so wanted a a few more verses. What did Lazarus say? What did they all do? You know, we're left to imagine what happened in that moment when the grave clothes fell off, the strips of cloth, and, and Lazarus went from death back to life. But you know, maybe this is just a really good reminder that this story was so much more about Jesus than it was about Lazarus. See, after literally being given a new lease on life, what did he do with his life afterwards? What did he accomplish? Well, the Bible doesn't actually say, but tradition says that he led a church for 30 years after that until his second death. What are we doing with the new life that Jesus has given us? Deaden our sins until Jesus gave us new life. If Jesus can raise Lazarus from the dead, if he can call him out of a tomb to rise up, what is he calling us to do? What power does Jesus have that lives within us to do this new lease on life that Jesus has given us through his grace? And it also reminds us that when there is no hope, there is always hope with Jesus. See, this story is a foreshadowing of what is going to come. One day when all believers in Christ will be called to himself. But it also sets up the beginning of the end, of the conflict between the Jews and Jesus. And it's quite dramatic. It results in a life-changing conclusion. But that's next week. You're going to have to wait for that. But Jesus' grace and his love and his compassion, in the moment, there's pain and there's loss. But with Jesus, he gives us new life. Let us pray. God, we do thank you that you are continually present amongst us. God, in those days, in those moments, those times when, that are more challenging, more troublesome, sorrowful, maybe even fearful, then we we choose to have to endure but God, allow us to see that you walk with us in our pain and our loss. And there is something so much greater than what is happening here to us in this moment, but you are giving us a resurrected life. God, that you use this example of your dear friend, Lazarus, to demonstrate the power and the glory that resides within your son and is given to us that we may live though we die. God, continue with us. May we rest on your strength and your promise. May we trust in you. May we follow as you call. God, continue with us this day, this week, as our hearts and our minds prepare for the celebration of Easter. God, it was a challenging, difficult walk towards death for Jesus Christ this last week, but it culminated in the greatest glory that you could present to us, to the world. Continue with us. In your grace we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we have a question for you to consider at home based on this incredible story of Jesus and his close friends. So stick around.
0: Hey, we're still enjoying some Pascha here mm-hmm. from Elliot. Thanks Elliot, it's a good thing in the morning because this yeah. is it's, it's Easter weekend as you referred to, right? Next week. That's right, we yeah. We get a focus on mm-hmm. Easter's coming up.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's something about, it. I don't know why, Gain, this is just pretty much an Easter food, right? Yeah. Well, oh, uh, it's Easter bread, right? Yeah, That's, e- yeah. Easter bread. and so. <laughs> no, awesome. Shout out to Elliot here that um, we could snack on this here this afternoon. So this is great. Mm-hmm. And well, here's a really cool thing
0: about the the fact is when we were planning this Gospel of John mm-hmm. series, we're thinking like, oh man, this isn't mm-hmm. going to line up. We're not going to mm-hmm. get the, the resurrection story on Easter. Uh, but actually right. what's really cool here, so we are talking about the resurrection next week. And as yeah. you mentioned, that's like yeah. the culmination mm-hmm. of what we do. We got the preview, which is exactly what Jesus did. You mentioned the story. Yeah. This is... Yeah the resurrection like happening this isn't the resurrection to dying for all sins for all mankind but this is jesus saying like hey even death isn't like out of my control that's
4: right yeah yeah And, and and it's incredible too and and one of the things that really jumped out here i think for us to consider is that near the end of that passage when jesus is praying in front of everybody before he calls lazarus out he specifically says i'm doing this for your benefit Mm. I already know who God is and my relationship with him. But he goes, you know what? I'm saying this out loud so all of you around here can know and believe in God. And and I I think there's a bit of a challenge in there for us.
0: (laughs) Totally, yeah. Well, you've worded us a question to to wrestle with.
4: Yeah, yeah. So when we're thinking about that, what Jesus has done and really as his followers, what he's calling us to do, is there something that we could be saying Mm. and who could we be saying it to to help them believe in Jesus. Right. Um, so that's, yeah. That, yeah. Actually, I really like that point that you
0: brought out, that this is this is an aspect of evangelism, right? It doesn't happen yeah. all the time. But then Jesus yeah. is even just like, you know, I'm going to just make it crystal clear for you. I'm going to say these things so you get it. And uh, frankly, this is really relevant because it's so easy in our minds thinking, you know, we're in a very secularized country and the most secularized half of that country in Western Canada here that nobody wants to talk about this. Nobody cares. Nobody believes in God. So I'll keep it to myself. And that's actually not Mm -hmm. true. You get some strong opinions all over the map out there, but there is a lost, collective of people here who don't have a clue that there's a God who loves them, that don't have a clue that Jesus died for their sins. And it's not even that they disagree, they don't even have the frame of reference several generations apart from Mm -hmm. uh, cultural Christianity.
4: Yeah, yeah. And so I think if there's a fear force about, well, how might they respond, you know, we can't allow that fear of the unknown, what might happen to stop us, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's so limiting. Uh but uh, I think there's there's ways in which we can just be natural about you know telling people who we are what's happened in our life which Mm. kind of leads them to see who Jesus is. Yeah well I'll tell you a specific one that this one always comes up in my mind and I I remember a
0: number of years ago I had a specific moment where I realized I need to be clear Mm. about this so every time Mm. I'm in dialogue with somebody and the idea Mm. of being lucky comes up like oh I was (laughs) in a car crash but it wasn't that bad it's like oh you're so lucky or whatnot or uh, you're really blessed or, you know, you had an illness. Right. You had COVID yeah. and recovered with with no symptoms <laughs> or not. You're so lucky. And that language, I realized, because I had somebody call out who just mm. stopped. He's like, no, there's no such thing as luck. There's mm. a God who's in control. Right. And he blessed you with this. And he's yeah. on it. And thinking yeah. that's the kind of language I actually speak
4: into people's lives. It's not luck. There's a God who's in control. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, yeah, and in, in the midst of that, really wanting the best for us, right? Yeah. You know, and that, and why wouldn't we want to then... Let other people know, hey, you know, we, if we can help you kind of re-change your perspective a little bit on what's happening in this world, um, there's a God that loves and cares for you. Totally. Yeah. And that, yeah.
0: that's the language that I right. think needs to be spoken to religious yeah. people and a-religious <laughs> people is what seems like the most basic Sunday school answer. The amount of times that right. I'm truly realizing mm-hmm. as an adult that statement is true, that God loves you is massively impactful. Yeah. Like God's not yeah. the eternal judging father punishing you. He loves you first and foremost. Yeah. And that changes
4: lives. Yeah. yeah. And I think the huge thing is we saw that with Jesus. I mean, he he wept because mm. his friends were sorrowful. And that talks about what a personal God that is, yeah. right? Who is concerned about who we are.
0: Right. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. He's been in it.
4: Yeah. So this is a kind of conversation
0: mm. that is best done at home with somebody yeah. close with you with a friend with a neighbor with a small group if you have some of that going on phone them up call them yeah. make a zoom meeting stuff like that or just chat about it with whoever you're watching the service with engage with it online on our comment section uh we'd love to see some of those reflections come up too we'll be on this on yeah. the stream too to reflect on and answer with those too.
4: Yeah, fantastic.
0: Yeah, and just before uh, we go, just as a reminder for next week, it is Easter weekend, so we have a couple things. Good Friday. What's happening? Good Friday, Doug?
4: Good Friday. We are planning, well into planning and preparing, uh, a drive-through experience here at the church starting at 10 o'clock. And you can send us a note or call the church here about what time you would like to come between 10 and 11. Uh, to um, so we're not all piled up together, but it's going to be a bit of an experience of kind of a, a mm-hmm. journey with Jesus, maybe stations of the cross, which will. Con- conclude with a time of communion and some worship music outside. Mm -hmm. Now, you'll have to stay in your cars, um, but it's gonna be great nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And our whole goal, just as pastors here at the church, we
0: want Easter to be a sending (gasps) motive, to reach out to a neighbor or somebody close to you or coworker, maybe a friend who you've been distant from in this whole season that you could bless. And you know, so many different cool ways, especially with the theme of Easter this weekend, it could just be with some treats to like do a family activity Easter egg hunt. It could be with a prayer or a card or a meeting. And if the stuff is an issue, we have a kit we uh-huh. want to give you uh, just to make that really easy. Like here's the thing, you know, cut, per size right. a little bit. Yep. Like we want to bless you neighbor and this is a way to reach out. And so we're giving those away. You can go to our website cedarvalley.ca to sign up for one of those and yeah. absolutely make this Easter weekend about spreading the love of God that what Jesus did on the cross is for all.
4: Yeah, and a great time to pick those up is on Good Friday when you come to the service, and you'll have them for Sunday to give away to your neighbors. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Cedar Valley, for joining us. All right. We will see you later.